Welcome back to the Boneyard Podcast, everybody. This is your host, Jared Shaffet, along with my two good friends, my dos mis amigos, dos buenos amigos. Is that, I don't know, I'm, I'm not, I don't speak Spanish. Um, Artemis Brower, Sir Artie, and Senor Chance Scott. Chance, Artie, how we doing? Hey, I mean, we're doing the same way we were just doing, because... This is episode two in a night. We're, if, if you're watching this on YouTube, guess what? We're wearing the same clothes as we were wearing last week. If you're wondering why we're wearing the same thing, this is why. This is why. Uh, look, peek behind the curtain. We don't. We don't say that we're. We, we don't try to put up a what is it called kayfabe or or a, a curtain. You're just getting what you get when you listen to the Boneyard Podcast. The Boneyard Podcast is proud members. Of the Variety Sports Podcast Network. Guys, after we recorded last week's show, I played y'all Myrtle Beach by Sonny Ledford. Yeah. We played about a minute of it. Artie, let me get your take. Um, it definitely sounds like something 14 to 15-year-old Jared would be would be rocking in his room. In his car on the way down to the CD player or whatever, on the way down to Myrtle Beach. You remember so, the staying already? I do remember the staying. I do remember the staying. Yes. Yeah, that definitely that's that that that's a that's a Mustang. That's a Jared Mustang vibe right there. With with the with the 12 inch subs in the back. Yeah. Bumping. Yeah, North I Davidson High School was put on. I missed the stay. North, North Davidson High School was uh was put on notice when when I was coming in, either bumping that or some uh, some old school Kanye or some Mac Miller back in the day. See, now you're talking real artists, you know Kanye, Mac Miller. Not now you're talking real artists. Already, I got another. I got another one for you to listen to. Go listen to Up Church. Who's this about? Up Church. No, it's it's a guy. Look him up. It's a, it's a guy. That's his. That's his stage name. Is Upchurch. His name's Ryan Upchurch. Ryan Upchurch. Okay. Okay. Listen to him. Uh, there, there, he's got a song. I believe it's called Two Kings." Go check that out. Look, I can, I can get, I can dish out some hits. <laughs> that last one wasn't a hit. So I hope this one's better. Yeah. Myrtle Beach. Myrtle Beach. Myrtle Beach. Right. You, you, what a good song. It's called. It's called "Half on a Sack" by Three Six Mafia. Three six mafia. I, I had to ask Artie about a about a concert here recently, and <laughs> we won't talk about it that much. But I mean, he confirmed what I thought, so good on him. Um, like I said, Boneyard Podcast, proud members of the Variety Sports Podcast Network. Um, number fifty two, guys, you got a number fifty two. Ooh. I don't. I put too much in the fifty-one last. I had a fifty-one for you. <laughs> <laughs> now I don't have a fifty-two. Hold on. I, I can't can even think of who wears fifty-two. Let's see. Did you give us yours? It's a weird number. I'm pulling them up. I, I got one, but I'm pulling it up. Um, I mean, yeah, we said we weren't doing chalk, so hold on. I don't know some of these mm. guys. I got a good 52, but I can't use it. 
Go ahead and give it. I don't care. Oh, Ray Lewis, baby. Ray oh, Lewis. Yeah. The goat fifty-two. All-time mm. great linebacker. Ray I Lewis. Hey, convict. You said what? Who's your guy? His name is Calvin Booth. He played ten years in the NBA. Played 366 games and scored a whopping 3.3 points per game. Had a long career to score three points a game. He had he played a 10-year career only averaging 3.3 points a game. 10-year career with 300 games played. You put up three wow. points per game in today's NBA, and I promise you, you're not playing 366 games. Nah, you're getting cut, bro. You're down to the G League. You might not even be in the G League. You might not make. You might not make the G League. <laughs> There's some dogs down there. Three the G points League. a game. I can get lucky and make a yeah. shot in the NBA game. He was six eleven, six eleven, two hundred and thirty pounds at plate center. He was a second round pick to the Washington Wizards in 1999. Wow. Mm. Mm. Man got paid to be a scrub. That's yeah. Nice. Oh, dude, I can. I can talking about nineteen. Talking about nineteen ninety nine. Um, that was the year that that this uh, guy made his major league debut. He's won a World Series in twenty fourteen. Four time All All Star. Only wore the number twenty or. 52. I don't know why I was thinking 23. I don't, I don't know where that number came from. Um, got a birthday coming up next month. 222 wins, 133 losses, 3.49 ERA. Uh, Braves legend. I mean, one, one, one of the great Braves over the like past two decades, I, I would say. like Kind of in that time where they were the, – the dynasty was kind of coming to an end. Um, I'm gonna go Tim Hudson. So that, that's he wore number 52 and 99 with with the Oakland A's. Um, he he was in he was on the Oakland Athletics team that uh, Moneyball is is based off of. So um, yeah, I mean, it's a good movie, good show or good movie. Brad Pitt. All right, let's get into it. This week on our uh, on our ECU opponent preview, we're going to be talking about Florida Atlantic. Uh, Chance, why don't you lead us in, in the discussion about Florida Atlantic? I mean, honestly, I don't know much about them. You know, nobody cares about Florida Atlantic. Oh, you know, they're honest. good guys. They let us play there last year. They let us play there last year in their in their stadium. It's a really I've heard it's a really great place to go visit, you know, but well, you know, they're not going to come in here and be no powerhouse. They're not going to be a powerhouse, you know, but I think they're going to come in and they're definitely going to try like every other new team to be competitive. I think you're going to be on the same level as a Charlotte, a Rice. You know, they're going to be in that tier of of American teams. So, I mean, I think we're just looking in to come in and be good, not only in football, but to provide us – you know, some more competitions in baseball and definitely in basketball next coming year. 
Yeah, I, I will disagree with that. Like, if I think FAU being added into the conference is what they bring in basketball and baseball along with football. Like, they're they're a great addition. So I, I, I absolutely agree with that. I think football wise, I don't really know what to expect. I know they went five and seven last year. Um, first time I really heard of FAU was when Lane Kiffin went down there for like a year or two. <laughs> to, to revitalize his career. That's really the first time I ever really heard of FAU. Um, and he kind of put them on the map after that. So, I mean, they've been decent. They've had decent runs in football over the last few years. Um, you know, I think that they're kind of in the same boat as Navy. I think they'll be a five and seven, six and six kind of team again this year. Um, but as far as like the roster, the coaching staff, I'm going to be honest. I don't know too, too much about FAU. I got to do some more research on them. But um, I do know as a whole, I'm excited for their program to come into the American. I'm pretty sure FAU is the team that if you remember in the 2013 season, ECU played them on a Thursday night. That was the first time ECU wore all black, Mm -hmm. I believe. And that was also the game where Justin Hardy laid out and made that insane one-handed catch Odell Beckham Jr. style. I do I'm pretty sure that, that was the game. Okay, I do remember okay. that. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that was the game. And I was sitting right there on the sideline. That's that's where I used to sit in the Boneyard. Shout out, Boneyard Podcast. Um, sitting right there on the sideline, right there they on the goal USA line. With us, right? Yeah, they were in Conference USA with us. Um, okay, I, I thought so. So, I think that was the game. I think that was against FAU, and they always had. They they wore the all they have an all white that looks pretty clean at times, um, so black on white, and um, yeah, I, I remember that game very vividly, and I'm pretty sure that was against FAU, the first real blackout game in in Dowdy that I can recall. Yeah. So I will um, say they they got a they got a pretty tough schedule themselves. Just looking. At yeah, I'm schedule. look I'm looking at it right now. I mean, yeah, they got to play. They play Monmouth. They, got a they, they play Monmouth to start that the season. Play Ohio. That, I mean, some action. Um, yeah. Ohio's not not. They do have a nice NIL thing. I do know that. Well, yeah. I there's a, there's a lot of money that. in Boca. A right. lot of money in well, Boca. They have, they have like that's really nice. Like I think they have like an NIL marketplace where they can buy like the team's merch. You know, instead of it being like. Through a fanatics random website, it's like right there to kind of just boost it. So, hmm, that's what we need. I, I need to be able to go to, to a volleyball match and, and get a Marinelli jersey. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, then, then they go on the road to Clemson. Then the following week, they're on the road at Illinois. Uh, it's tough. Ceiling, they start two and two. Possibly start one and three. Um think that they can uh beat Tulsa. That's on my that's on my dad's birthday, October seventh. Um nice. then they travel across the state and play at USF. And then they host UTSA, another conference USA team coming in. Uh, so right now we're we're looking at maybe being, I think they beat Tulsa. I think they beat USF. Don't think they beat UTSA. Think they beat Charlotte. Don't think they beat UAB. 
Um, I'm gonna say they go six and six. Yeah, I can see that. I, I, really I think that's for them. Probably five and four going into the ECU matchup. The only thing is, is they have a lot of turnover on their on their team. Lots of turnover. Chance, what, what were the numbers? Like 40 new guys and 25 it transfers a, out? It was a lot of guys. Do they have a new coaching staff? Like is that, a, is? Yeah. Uh, Tom Herman, former Texas coach. Oh, wow. Tom Herman's Houston, okay. Houston coach. That That's where that's where coaches go to, for one year. Try 25 to, guys. They, they try to prove themselves for one and year. And then try to get it, get a deal in the P five. I mean, Lane Kiffin well, did mean, it. And they have forty new players. Tom Herman is, is, is good at the, uh, I think at the smaller schools. I mean, at, at a at a power. I don't think he was ready for a Texas, but you know, we see what he did at, at, at Houston. I think I think he did right a lot of FAU. Yeah, and I mean, they did pretty good under Lane Kiffin, which I mean, it's Lane Kiffin. Um, yeah, yeah, he's not going to be that so. successful. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. Maybe they are one of those teams that turns it around, but I I just – I don't see it. I think they'll be better in year two than they are in year one under Herman. But, uh, yeah, give me – I'm going to say five and seven, six and six is kind of where where I see them finishing this season. I would agree. They don't have to play some of the tougher games on on their – in the conference. I mean – yeah, they play Tulane and UTSA, um, but other than that, they do get Tulsa, USF, and uh, Charlotte and Rice. And Charlotte and Rice. Yep. So, I mean, those are four very winnable games. I think the two games to start the season, Monmouth and um, Monmouth and Ohio, those are winnable. I mean, Monmouth is, should be a win. If they don't beat Monmouth, there's problems. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll say six and six. Chance? Yeah, I'm out in that boat. You know, either five and seven, six and six. But, you know, if you come in, you win six games in your first year in a brand-new conference with a new head coach, you're happy. You know, yeah. Yeah. then your, your year two is a lot brighter. Then you have other guys like, you know – I would definitely transfer to Boca Raton if I'm playing in like some weird country out in the middle, just, you know, hot, cold all the time. I'd rather just be in Florida. So, you know, they're in a good market. They win a couple games. They look solid. People are going to like their head coach there because he's, you know, he's been around. He's turned some programs around. So guys are going to want to play for somebody. Yeah, for sure. Artie, any any thoughts? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I would I would agree with everything that that Chance just said. What you just said, um, I think five and seven for for FAU, um, and that's one of those games I think that you know ECU by the, by the by the time we play FAU, that should be that should be a win. Should be is our yeah. Uh, I think that should be a win for us. Uh, I don't think we go down there and, and that's in Boca, right? Or is that in Dowdy? It's that's in, in Dowdy. No, that's Somebody, in Boca. Or it's not. I think it's in Boca. 
Yeah, Tim Boko. Tim Boko. Yeah. Mm. Veterans Day weekend in Boko? Mm. Not bad. I mean, not a bad place to be. Not bad. Um, yeah. Oh, Gavin's about to get the ball. So, Gavin Williams pitching tonight or last yep. Wednesday night. If you're Based listening to this, pitch. so, uh, so get, there we go. There. There you go. Um, all right. Anything else on FAU? Do we want to talk about FAU anymore? Uh, I think we're going to FAU. No. Yeah, I think so too. Um, all right. This week we're talking uh, D-line. I, I think that there's an opportunity for the D-line to continue what it had last year. Yeah, you're losing some guys, um, some linebackers, but – I feel like ECU restocked well at this position. Uh, Artie, Chance, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think this is a, a, a group that Blake Carroll is definitely, you know, putting putting his 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 footprint on as far as getting some some homegrown talent in, as far as getting some 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 country fed country fed boys uh, in there. Because you know, my my D lineman, I like them, I like them big, quick on their feet. But I, I need them. I don't. I don't want these these super athletes at D line. I want some angry guys that can get mean, get in there, uh, be physical with you, not play around with you. Uh, so I think this is a this is a group with a lot of potential. I think you know they have the potential to be the best group as far as on our defense heading into the season. Um, and I know we you know we we got a few guys returning, but I'm I'm excited for the D line group. I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a D line homer myself. I never got to play D line. Always wanted to play D line. I was never big enough. Uh, so I like I like seeing the boys out there. And uh, do what they got to do. Yeah, I mean, you're you're returning Jeremy Lewis, you're returning Elijah Morris, Deontay Johnson, Chad Stevens. I mean, Chad Stevens was, in my opinion, he he was one of the MVPs last year for for ECU's defense. I mean, yeah, he was excited to see him. Big. Yeah, and, and then not to mention you've still got guys like Eric Doctor, you got Jack Powers. Um, Waiting in the wings, kind of listed, I think, at number two on the depth chart. Um, Taylor Jackson's going to be going to be interesting. You're bringing in the linebacker from Carolina, Rah Rah Dilworth. Um, so yeah, I mean, I feel like there's uh, there's plenty of plenty to look forward to on this defensive line. It's going to be tough to run on ECU at times. Um, I mean, you're going to see probably one of the best. You're probably going to see the best group of five running back week two. And uh, what is it? Rashad yeah, he's Ali. A, he's or? really good. Yeah, he's so good. So he might be one of the better running backs other than week one that we we've probably seen yeah, the two I best running backs it. all year back to back. Week one, we might be playing the best running back in the country. So yeah, yeah, and then oh, we will be playing the best running back in the country. That he is yeah. he to me is the best running back in the country. So, but I, I think that this line, I mean, I, I, I think that there's enough, enough depth. I mean, you got to think about it. You, you played half the season last year without um, Xavier Smith. You played half the season without him. You missed, you were 
banged up on the defensive line at times last year. This year, they're all back. Most of them are healthy. Jeremy Lewis was also another guy. If it wasn't, it wasn't Chad Stevens, it was Jeremy Lewis. That was kind of really taking the reins. And he, he's one of those guys that, I mean, came in and he he waited for his playing time. He got his playing time a couple of years ago. And then now he's now he's really making a name for himself um, as, that, as that rush linebacker. Uh, so... Yeah, and your tackles and, and end is 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 looking pretty good. I, I'm I, I'm I'm excited about this this D line group, and I don't know. I mean, I, I think it, I think it's going to probably be one of our strong points this year. Yeah, I mean, again, we were, can, we were good at stopping the run last year, so I think you're only going to improve upon that. I mean, how many times have we stopped on you know third and short, fourth and short? You know, seeing those plays. So I think we can only get better. Yeah, and I mean, I can remember what was it a couple of years ago where we had like four sacks all season. <laughs> I mean, dude, were just they were just patting their ball back there, just chilling. Yeah. That was the Scotty Montgomery, uh, no hitting technique. Yeah, that arm like, tackle. Yeah, I, I, I like play like a bunch of babies. Right, only swiping for the ball, not actually tackling. Yeah, yeah, they were scared. I mean, to get hit. this team under Mike. This team under Mike Houston is very physical. Mike Houston and Blake Harrell, it's a very physical football team. And these guys like to bang bodies. I mean, Jeremy Lewis lays some of the hardest hits I've seen in a long time at ECU. Excited for him. Um, I mean, and then being able to get up off the off the line and and make your move. I I, I think I think there's a lot of potential and this D line is probably going to keep ECU in some games that maybe they shouldn't be in at times. And they're going to give some teams some, some fits. Um, and probably the most seniority of any position group coming back this year. Uh, I mean, you, yeah, your skill positions, you lost a lot. I'm ecstatic for this group. Yeah. I last, last week or, yeah, last week on the podcast we talked about how, honestly, <laughs> it was probably the weakest part of our our team. This may be one of the strongest parts of our team. I mean, the the D line is going to be something exceptional, and um, yeah, I, I think this group, like I said, maybe gets us a couple wins that maybe we weren't supposed to win. Um, those close games where where you yeah. need to stop. I I saw the clip today. I believe Sam Anderson posted it on Twitter. Um, the clip of the, the state game, the state game, and that was like the was best like, moment man, of my life. That was that stop. I felt it like tingling everywhere, dude. It was Church just Hills. like, yeah, Church Hills. like that stop. I, I, I so saw if they somebody score else. to me. That game's over. Yeah, that game's over. You would have lost all hope, and that's when I knew that this defensive line was different. Yeah, they dug deep. They wanted that shit. They wanted it bad. And the only game that they really didn't compete in was that uh that Houston game. Yeah. Nobody competed in that Houston no. game. Was a dumpster <laughs> fire. Offense, defense, special teams, coaches, the fans. Nobody competed in that game. 
Yeah. So anything else? Do y'all want to talk about the D line anymore? I mean, I kind of think that we know what they are at this point. They're going to be really good, you know, physical, fast, strong, everything you want in a, you know, in a D-line group. Yeah. I want to said, I think this is really going to help these, you know, younger DBs that we got, these DBs that are unproven, you know, come from UNC and Murray. This is going to help them be able to, you know, not hold the guy but be able to stay in front longer and not be able to get burnt as quick. It's going to make a quarterback make tougher reads, throw, you know, tighter windows. You got to throw a ball in, which turns into interceptions, fumbles, batted balls. You know, it all starts up front. That front seven is arguably the most important part of a defense. And I think, again, this year for us, that front seven is going to be big. Yeah. I mean, it's exciting times. Uh, it's going to be big, and you're going to you're going to need your defense to keep you in ball games this year, and that's that's what this part of the defense is going to do. Hopefully, like we talked about last week, the secondary that the D back room can uh, figure their shit out. And did did you see that, Artie? What's that? It looked like Chance. Like I don't know. <laughs> It looked like he like morphed out of the room and then back into the room, like he was a simulation. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I was I was on a different page. I didn't even see it. I was doing some research on a different page. No, I, I uh, might be. I'm watching Gavin Williams throw, so I might be throwing up the internet a little you got, bit. You got something you want to tell us, Chance? Got one out. <laughs> you got some telekinesis powers here. Huh? I don't know. It looked like he was like part of the Matrix. <laughs> Trust me, if I if I, I had some, they'd have been using it at state. It would have been. We would have done some crazy right. shit against State. <laughs> Devin Lear would have been Gosh. broken ankles. Mm-hmm. Mm. No, I, I would have loved it. Like I would have loved for Owen Daffer to hit that that game winning field goal. Would, would have loved awesome. that. Because, like I said, hey guys, no, I like, mean, what else? Like that kick. I knew it was not going in. I I knew it. Off his foot, everybody was cheering, and I'm just like, nope, fuck. And I was just so mad. I was cussing, slamming my feet, sitting down, and the ball, the ball hadn't even gone nowhere yet. I already sat down. It was already holding my head because I knew that shit was not going. So It was a bad, bad day. I was so mad. So talking about the D-line, I, I th- this is straight from uh, – from the podcast, defensive coordinator Blake Carroll, I asked him his thoughts on uh, on this D line. He said, "Experienced, exactly what we were saying. Best we've had. JD Lampley, a year older. Hashtag baller. Hoping Josiah Robinson can stay healthy. Probably our best pass rusher. And plan on using Jeremy Lewis more to create chaos to cape to QBs. Love it. Love it. Straight from straight from the source right there." Uh, friend of the podcast, Blake Harrell. I mean, yeah, it, it's exactly what we were saying. This team is this side of the ball is going to be um, captain of chaos is turning it loose this year. Ultra aggressive, <laughs> love it, absolutely love it. Um, Blake Harrell, friend of the podcast. We got to get we got to get Coach Harrell back on. 
we got to get him on. I mean, I love, I love, I like, I like Blake. He's a great guy. Yeah, he. Uh, I don't know. He when we say friend of the podcast, people like we mean friend of the podcast. I, I've run into Coach Harrell several times since we had him on. We had him on, I think, episode seven, episode eight. We're on one hundred fifty-two. Mm-hmm. Um, it was right after he was hired at East Carolina, and every time we've run into him, he's always come up, said what's up, talked to us, yeah, and. I saw him at the Super Regional last year. He, he was out there hanging out with some of the other coaches for football and uh, at the Super Regional down in the jungle. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we were talking about getting drinks and whatnot. He, he's honestly one of the coolest guys out there. And, yeah, I mean, his family's great. I mean, his wife, his kids, they're, they're all – it's been nice to get to know them. So, yeah, love that. But, yeah. Excited for this D line, and I think he is too. So love to hear that when when your defensive coordinator is that amped up about a position. You like that? You you, you like that? You like that? I like that. Oh, I love that. So, anything else on the on the D line? Sorry, I I, I know I kind of jumped that. No, I'm good, bro. I think we said what needs to be said about him. Yeah. All right. Well, y'all got to walk the plank. <laughs> last <laughs> last week's episode was recorded about 20 minutes ago. <laughs> it was a short I, <laughs> I got another one. And it's a week late. But the U.S. Open was this past weekend. In Los Angeles. First, first strikeout. Gavin Williams' first strikeout. Who, who did he strike out? Yep. I don't know. Some bum from the A's. Nobody knows nobody from the A's. Yeah, all the A's come over to come over to Atlanta and, and ball out. Yeah. But they were um, known. People knew them. Yeah. Matt Olson, Sean Murphy. Braves are – all, all five of the Braves infielders are either first or second in all-star voting right now. Got to love that. Got to love that. Got a good squad down there in the A. Damn right they do. A-town, baby. Um, the U.S. Open was in at Los Angeles Country Club in Los Angeles. Um, 23,000, I believe it was like 23,000 tickets were being sold per day for the event. Typically at a US Open you're you're seeing 50 to 60,000 people at it. Mm. And over half of those 23,000 tickets were for the hospitality tent. It didn't feel like a US Open. It felt very I don't know, like there was there wasn't anybody there, there wasn't anybody watching. And the overall vibes of the entire tournament were just off. Next year, tournament comes home. Pinehurst number two. That's going to be a real U.S. Open. Don't go back to that place. Uh, going to be La- great. Los Angeles Country Club is one of the most uptight, and this is saying a lot. It's one of the most uptight country clubs in the country, if not the world. I mean, they don't allow any celebrities to be members there. 
Hugh Hefner literally bought a house right behind the 14th tee or built a house right behind the 14th tee because they wouldn't let him be a member at Los Angeles Country Club. And so oh, well, he has. Why don't they like celebrities? That makes no sense. I don't know. They're so uppity and got, got to stick up their butt. Celebrities don't want the money. They got the money to be members there. I mean, if you're a member at Los Angeles, like they want it to be very exclusive and they don't want any celebrities or anything like that, any fanfare. Um, it's right in the heart of, of Los Angeles, like in the middle of Los Angeles. Um, but Hugh Hefner bought a house or bought property there when they wouldn't allow him to be a, a it may just be the Playboy Mansion that just backs up to it. Um, and they wouldn't allow him to be a member. So that's when he got all of his monkeys and he built uh, his monkey enclosure right there. So if you're teeing off at the 14th tee at Los Angeles Country Club, you're going to hear all this noise and it's just the monkeys. Mm. In fact, but yeah, the U.S. Open, USGA, it, it was honest, it was one of the worst products I've seen in a long time, and it, at least the at least the tournament got exciting and was pretty exciting down the stretch. Was hoping Rory or Ricky would pull it out, but Wyndham Clark won it. So yeah, that's L.A. Country Club, USGA, walk the damn plank. That's all I got. All right, already say the damn thing. Hey. As always, this might be a, one of my shortest episodes ever. By the way, that's fine. <laughs> we we, we got it out of the. We got what we needed to do done. True, true. Wait, wait. One last thing: you only live once, and pirates always attack first. Lol. In all seriousness, we are longer, faster, and more athletic than we have ever been. Finally, got the guys and have recruited the guys that fit our style of defense. Love it. Love it. Love it. Already. That being said, Power Nation, we love you. We out. We're good this time. Wash your hands, wash your butts. Deuce. Peace.